0: GM and welcome to episode nine of Probably Nothing. I'm TZ, the CEO of Islands, and with my co-host, Alexis Ohanian, we'll be uncovering how NFTs and Web3 are changing community, commerce, and content online by talking directly with the people building in the space. Web3 is all about community, so before I share who our guest is in this episode, I want to give a big shout out to our first iTunes review from TS. They said, TZ and Alexis, thank you for creating this amazing pod, fun, engaging, and insightful conversations. Amazing flow. Looking forward to new episodes and learning with you about this magical new world we're creating. Thank you, TS. If you'd like to have your review read, make sure to leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Now back to NFTs. Our guest today is Mike Dudas, the founder of Linkstow. Linkstow is reimagining the country club by creating the modern day golf and leisure club. The craziest part? It went from idea to mint in just 18 days. Style's Leisure Membership NFT minted for 0.18 ETH, and the current floor price as of recording is three times the original cost, at 0.548 ETH. Mike came onto the show to share more about how a proper, decentralized, autonomous organization, or DAO, works, how LinkStyle is breaking down barriers in a traditionally exclusive sport, and why you should never YOLO the legal side of Web3. The average price to join a golf club in the U.S. is typically between $3,000 and $10,000 a year. Linkstyle's Leisure Membership Mint price was roughly around $700 plus gas. Price is only one of the ways that Linkstyle is bringing inclusivity to golf, and you'll want to stay to the end to learn about all of the other ways that Linkstyle is doing this. Don't forget to give us a 5-star rating on Apple or Spotify, subscribe, and share this on social media to help others learn more about Web3. Feel free to tag me at tzong and at Alexis Ohanian.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Been interesting crypto since you know, 2013. I'd worked in mobile payments for years at Google Wallet, at Braintree and Venmo, and discovered Bitcoin in 2013. We were going to accept payments for Uber and Airbnb in Bitcoin. So we were talking with Coinbase about it, met the team there. And just to capture my imagination as this sort of censorship resistant, at that time, sort of low cost, global, always on payments network, you know, fast forward to 2018, basically so many other interesting things started to happen in the crypto space beyond Bitcoin, right? You had like Ethereum had launched in 2014 and a number of other blockchains had emerged that were, you know, allowed for really robust and more exciting, I believe, you know, applications than just, you know, pure money movement, obviously with the advent of smart contracts, etc. And so I decided to jump from traditional tech into crypto full time at the beginning of 2018. After having worked again for years at like Google, Braintree, Venmo, started a company called Button in the traditional tech space. And what's been exciting, I had no clue what I was doing. And there's a whole class of people like that today. You know, who are relatively new to crypto and just kind of read the headlines and every question i'd ask i'd basically get an answer and then have 10 more and i just had no idea what to do and there were not a lot of great places to learn about what was happening in crypto beyond price movement so i started a company called the block point now it's got over 100 people just an incredible team that's building out you know media research data and information around crypto and making it accessible to the masses but also serving a really exciting institutional base i sold that company last year I was trying to figure out, you know, what to do next, and so I've done two things. One is you know, I started investing because, you know, what does every entrepreneur do? You either sort of like you know, die an entrepreneur, or you become a VC. Is I think the joke. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, not a, but,
0: you're not you're wrong. You're not totally right.
2: Guilty <laughs> yeah. as charged.
1: And so, in crypto, though, you know, to have you know, basically any any idea what the heck's going on and be a high quality able to contribute investor, you have to actually use the technology. And so, you know, basically, I, I think it's critical and I think you're going to see more of this and you're already seeing it, frankly, in how cap tables, they're not really cap tables anymore in crypto, token tables, whatever it is, is—you know, huge syndicates of investors who have really interesting functional expertise. And one of the areas that's been extremely interesting to me is this notion of DAOs, uh, you know, decentralized autonomous organizations, which, you know, in their purest form are, you know, entities that are effectively you know, governed by communities, but there's a spectrum today, I think, of, you know, how these organizations are evolving, you know, and, and some are you know, really, really centralized and actually look more like traditional corporations. And then some actually do have the true spirit of, you know, being genuinely run by a community with no action taken without, you know, on-chain activity, coordination, and voting. So I've been, you know, looking at it, experimenting for a long time. Over the past couple months, noticed people doing some interesting things. So Constitution Dow, where you know a large group of people raise a significant amount of money for one common objective, which was purchase the Constitution. Mm. And uh, at the same time Thorted. saw NFTs being used in a really interesting way for you know membership purposes. So Gary Vaynerchuk and AJ, his brother is a friend of ours. We were looking at Gary launching this flyfish club restaurant that is an NFT Membership experience. I'd purchased a couple, and basically, it's like Rayos here in New York. It's like you buy the NFT, you're able to then make a reservation at the restaurant. I basically said, you know, heck, why don't we put these two exciting things together and combine, you know, sort of the fundraising element, the community aspects, and the membership, you know, model into the same thing. And so, mentioned it to a couple friends. Same day, you know, twenty five of us had sort of spun up Linkstow and. I can go into what that is. But effectively, the idea is to create the world's greatest golf and leisure club. And the leisure club piece is important because I think it's irreverent, fun, inclusive, you know, doesn't have the you know, golf has a very stodgy reputation historically.
2: I'd you know, say worse not- than stodgy. It is, I, would say- <laughs> I mean, low key <laughs> bigoted against women, black people, Jewish people, like, I mean, the list goes on. I so don't I think-, think
0: I've ever played a real game of golf.
1: Oh, it's so it's like probably the like
2: least ever.
0: inclusive
1: sport. Yeah, you know, yeah call it what Earth. it is. I
2: mean, it's incredibly like prohibitive and elitist. And so I think it, in many ways, that's why it's such a perfect place to start for something that's so democratizing and and ostensibly equitable, right?
1: And I think that's why it hit a nerve. And I, I joke about it. So I went to Stanford. My roommate was an Asian guy named Jimmy Lee, who had taken Tiger Woods's scholarship after Tiger left to go pro early. It was just kind of funny and amazing. But I'm a white guy named Mike who had grown up and gone to prep school in Connecticut and was a member of two country clubs growing up. And even I felt uncomfortable in that country club environment. I'm 42 now. I'm like kind of like a boomer at this point. But like you can tell by the fact that I'm into crypto and these things, it was hard to be like the country club rule follower. It always made me brutally uncomfortable. I felt, you know, even as that guy, again, a white guy named Mike in Connecticut, a little outside of the circle of comfort. And so I'm just so excited at how much this resonated with folks instantaneously. It feels like a tremendous number of people had historically felt like here's something I watch, I observe. It's you know moderately interesting to me, and a lot of people seem to love it but it's just always felt out of cultural reach or just uncomfortable. And to your guys' points, frankly, the absolute opposite of inclusive. So, you know, basically within a couple of hours of basically saying we were doing LinksDAO, we set up immediately a website, we set up the discord and had thousands of people and following us on Twitter. You know, we slapped up a website, designed it. And within 18 days, we were able to get a community rallied, put together you know, a really high level roadmap of what the world's greatest, you know, most inclusive golf and leisure club would look like. And we're able to do an NFT sale to raise a treasury to basically deliver on the first phase of that, which is this online community and experience and a group of people who can then go out, define what this inclusive club and this global club looks like, set the rules, And then, you know, give us the ability to sort of appoint people to go out and do all of the key functions of like course acquisition, structuring, et cetera.
0: I was going to say, was this really started, pulled together less than a month ago from idea to, I'm guessing Twitter is probably how you attracted most of these people initially or, or garnered early interest to launch
1: yeah so it was literally that fast, and it really just shows the power of you know so Twitter it's just an incredible <laughs> it's an incredible platform and product that if you put a good idea out there, it can get amplified really really quickly and actually, this was exciting to me just we get so used to it in terms of you know seeing it used as a place to troll and that's the stuff that goes viral or you know this dunk or that dunk, it's honestly, it's a brilliant platform when People get behind an idea and rally. We saw this again with ConstitutionDAO, and it's a great medium to disseminate this information. By the way, as is Discord, you know, people were inviting and referring their friends in. So yes, so it was 18 days. It gained momentum on Twitter. There was no media coverage until after we'd raised, you know, the 10 million dollars. We had inquiries or 11 million dollars, and so it was a totally organic endeavor with zero full-time employees. Zero people have been you know compensated in any way to date, other than the. Uh, entity that helped us set up the mint and you know, made sure all the contracts were secure. And you know we plan this week to compensate with bonuses some of the contributors who have done community, have done design, mm. but literally nobody got paid. I mean, it's it's incredible to me. I mean, even somebody who's excited about the potential of DAOs as coordination, organization, governance, and fundraising mechanisms um, towards exciting angles to just see all that happen via contributions versus compensation has been pretty thrilling to me.
2: You know, one thing I think folks are going to be excited about here in particular is like clearly, I mean, just a ton of organic success interest. Like you said, it's phenomenal to imagine how much money can be pulled together by a bunch of random people on the Internet. And I'm sort of desensitized to it, having built and grown Reddit over the years. But to see it happening now with real ownership is and and not limited to one platform, but Internet wide is, is phenomenal. What is the like? What is your vision for how to have this live up to these ideals of being a, a much more equitable and open, like real place that someone could have, a, a, like get membership into and then like walk up to one day and and walk th- literally through the doors of?
1: Absolutely. So one, it's daunting and scary because I feel like 13,000 people to date have placed their faith in terms of joining the community and yeah. contributing considerable time and ideas. And you know, I wouldn't do this if I didn't believe in it deeply, nor would the other folks who have sort of are doxxed. You know, There's some people who are in the background, but who are public about it and they're really credible folks. Um, and that's been really exciting to see so many people take on a daunting challenge where you know, we don't want to disappoint folks. So you know, I come from one, that place of like, we are so excited to deliver. So, so how do we do that? So the first thing is, so, so we're not a decentralized autonomous organization today um so the first step was get nfts in the hands of folks who wanted to participate right in the governance and who wanted to hold something that would give them the ability in the future to have membership in this leisure club right in this community so to your question one is you know again inclusivity which means anyone anywhere in the globe can do it what we understand by the way is you know for most clubs there's a massive price barrier even for this one the seven hundred dollar price point, you know, to basically acquire the first NFT, is going to be, you know, higher than folks, you know, some folks anywhere on you know, the globe can can access and a price point above what they're comfortable with or can afford. So, you know, one of the tasks on the membership committee that we'll create one is that it's a group of folks who are going to think deeply about like what are the different tiers of membership, what is, mm. and then our capacity to support at every level. So that, you know, within reason, there's going to be club rules like you're not going to have, I don't know, like somebody who's actively committing a crime be allowed on the physical property. But mm. again, within reason, how do we keep this so that it's effectively a club where some of the benefits, of course, are, you know, it's not going to be fully public. There is an aspect of that you know, NFT membership. So anybody will be able to buy in. Basically, the idea is that it will be like a call it a semi-public club. So anybody will be able to participate in the community. And this is just me speaking, by the way. This is how I'm thinking about it. This hasn't been decided and until we fully decentralize and actually talk about these things as a community and put voting out you know, via you know, the NFT. The NFT gives folks the ability to vote on proposals that individuals in the community make about what they actually want to see and what they want the rules of the club to be. Um, Until that happens, you know, I'm just kind of speaking from sort of my views and what I've seen sort of in the discord. The thing that we have to do is, one, ensure people understand that it's a multi-year vision. So what we do in six months, like buying one club, you know, it's not going to have the capacity for 20,000 people to attend it, you know, on an annual basis and play around a golf. But there are going to be other things that folks can do. Right. They can maybe come for a day pass, come visit. You know, the restaurant, bar, and social club area, you know, visit the family. And again, we've had all kinds of incredible ideas proposed as to things this club could have. And that would lead to varying levels of membership. You can be a full on, you know, full member who has, you know, access, you know, all the time to everything. And then you can have lighter memberships that just allow people to, you know, visit once a year, twice a year. So the next piece is it has to, the club rules are gonna be light and fun default meaning you know the rules might actually be anti-rules from what i'm seeing which is like Mm. you know don't be a jerk you know wear whatever you want within reason like you know just almost like internet rules it's like if we could if you could port the rules of not being a jerk in discord or reddit or something Mm. into the real world like you know that would probably be the default that we'd have and and we're trying to model that and how we exist within the discord like i shared a google doc that everybody ideated on. We had hundreds of people in the dock and it, there was just like zero spam in it, right? Those are the types of things that like, sh- that shocks me because that usually doesn't happen in the real world. Like one tweet usually has a hundred you know, spammy comments if it goes viral. How do we then model that online behavior out into the real world? You know, that sounds utopian, it's gonna be really difficult. So, you know, you've probably experienced, I mean, I know you've experienced it, Alexis with, you know, you've run a massive global platform online with real world spinoffs where groups of folks met in the real world. And
2: oh, yeah. it's been a we lot. We know of we're not going to be able to <laughs> More control than sure every any person on the planet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I would say. <laughs> so I'm sure I don't know what we're in for as a group, but the beauty of it is you've got a really curious, flexible team. That's, you has know, been on the front line, like I've been on the receiving end of like significant crypto trolling for years, like online bullying, like people trying to financially hack me because I was running a crypto business. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the only one. We have a good group of people who are resilient, both in the core team that's, you know, initially been involved and then in the community at large.
0: How do you think about which decisions, even micro, especially micro decisions are going to be put out to vote? Because yeah. there's so, so many different decisions, right? Even down to like the rules that you guys will implement in real life or digitally. Like, how are you thinking about which things are, are put up to vote and which things are going to be set by the core team, which is, you said around 20 people? On yeah. The core it's a little of the more
1: map in terms of like people who are actively contributing. It's probably about 20 exactly. So um, the first thing is I think the core team is going to propose a voting framework effectively, you know, a first voting framework of basically and it'll be a broad one that can be voted on in the future, but a threshold so initially we'll have to determine threshold as we've seen from California, like majority vote on everything you know leads to sort of like chaos you know there needs <laughs> yes. to be some like threshold.
2: yeah for efficient. some <laughs>
1: yeah. so I think we'll put we'll put proposals forth that you know hopefully. To be honest, like it, it's it's a really hard question on how you get the genesis vote that decides that type of thing out into the public. Right. It's like there's already a founding team that people know that have contributed to date. So then how do you get a vote out that sort of set to be proposed that meets a threshold? And I don't know, we'll have to we'll probably have to credibly choose a threshold of like. Seventy or eighty percent of folks who vote over the course of maybe a seventy-two hour period or something that gives people ample time, market it heavily, so everybody in the Discord and community of NFT holders can see it, and then we vote on uh, again as a group on-chain NFT holders. What are the thresholds for monumental decisions? And we'll have like you know a range of those. You know, I have to probably leave it there because it's hard to get more specific. Once you have that, then we will elect above that threshold vote number committee leaders is, is my assumption, okay? And those are in functional areas, things like partnerships, communications and marketing, sales, product and engineering, culture, community rules, things of that nature. Those aren't definitively the categories we'll have, but you know, imagine that we have those. And you'll have kind of like at the start, like a lead member. And then you know, I've seen there are different tools like Orca Protocol and Tally and you know, a bunch of others boardroom that allow you to do voting and allow you to sort of establish these people pods. There's one called squads on Solana. There are some great tools for this. And we will then start to allow, you know, you'll have these like sort of almost like sub DAOs or these working groups that will then be able to make decisions together, you know, with a leader and then with a community that, you know, is sort of nominated and voted on. And then those committees are empowered to make proposals that are then voted back on again by the general population. Again, this will be anything that has to do with, you know, basically how you know, treasury of the Dow you know, might be spent. Like, and by the way, the things that the Dow can't decide on are how like actual asset purchases and things of that nature happen. It actually has to be things that are like online and community related for purposes of, you know, like securities laws and other reasons. Okay. So it's just really tricky. I think hopefully my answer highlights thinking about it is such a herculean task that i 'm not going to lie we 're not a hundred percent sure yet, and we're discussing it as an early team, and then, as we get it out to a broader group it's going to become more confusing. Good luck I appreciate it
0: it's a it's a massive feat
1: really is so far, we feel really great you know we 're really happy about the money raised, about the community enthusiasm. This is where the rubber hits the road, and you know we're sort of past the now euphoric phase. I've seen you know these cycles, hype cycles, play out. You know I think people will be excited for at least a few more weeks as we sort of deliver on the promise of setting up the Dow infrastructure so the folks can start voting. Once they actually start voting and outcomes happen, and specific people again are put in place to lead things like club rules, yeah, you know, that's when I think we'll start to you know, see really interesting, hopefully largely positive, but I'm sure often contentious discussions around what this becomes. And then over the course of the rest of the year, you know, we'll have these committees come back, we'll create kind of like a club roadmap and operating plan. And then the goal is to raise additional funds separately. It would have to be at that point, you know, you're know, you buying a physical asset. So you'll have a you know, corporation, you'll do a you know, security sale. My goal, by the way, and I think we can deliver on this, is to give everyone who holds an NFT and has contributed, you know, financially gives them the opportunity to buy into and or, you know, have a way to obtain ownership in the actual entity that will own the assets as well. We're working through, there are tons of companies that have already reached out and said, hey, we can do that for you. We're trying to sort through it all and figure out what's real and what's not. Respect.
0: So, yeah, as you guys think about the roadmap, do you imagine that there will be people who will work on this full time. How are you thinking about the core team and the setup, the org setup, even though I know you guys are, the goal is to become a full DAO, as decentralized as possible. But in the meantime, as you guys get there, and even when you do get there, I'm, I'm sure there will be eventually people who will work on this full time. So how are you kind of thinking about that, even for you personally?
1: So there will always be, an operating entity that, you know, my guess is it runs at a pretty close to, you know, the goal would be to run it like close to break even, or even a deficit to deliver the, you know, acquisition operation of the actual assets, right? So the purchase of the first club, you know, call that Dow Inc. And that will have full-time employees, like an operational exec, like a CEO, so let me break this out. So it'll have like a CEO, it'll have probably some contractors, some of whom will work on DAO-specific things, but the majority of folks will work on actual delivery of the IRL experience, you know, the club, the build-out, the management, the operations, you know, marketing functions, etc. And then that entity, what we need to figure out is one, legally, what activities. Of that entity can be governed by the DAO. So basically, what we're doing, it's almost like a hybrid in the sense that it's almost like thinking of the DAO as like the board of directors of the the corporation. And so, you know, maybe actually finally giving board of directors like a real, like if we think of public companies, they're sort of like pushovers to the founder kind of thing. In many cases, this gives true power to an entity to direct, you know, what happens at a corporate level. Now, over time, there also is the potential for that whole thing, and it's dependent on, I think, again, you know, laws and regulations, the United States and elsewhere. I would love for that entire thing to just be swallowed right into a truly decentralized, autonomous organization. The reality is today, due to you know fundraising laws and things of that nature, as you get into real-world assets and delivery of goods and services, it's just really challenging to do that you know, unless you're a fully docs team offshore, et cetera, in the United States today. You're going to have basically the DAO will be creating this online community, online experience, similar to what you've seen with like Board Ape Yacht Club. Like I would aspire for our online community to be that. Plus, they actually govern and have the ability to acquire membership and have membership in an inclusive physical club.
0: I mean this is all this is all just so wild. Just everything around this DAO. It's yep. it's really interesting. I would love to hear more about like if you could break down around the large effort that you and the team took to ensure that the legal structure was sound. I mean, given your background, you've been in the space for years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so you're not just YOLOing the legal side, which many DAOs are Don't doing.
2: YOLO the legal side. Yeah. So that's <laughs> big that's, call out there. The,
0: big call out.
2: Yeah. So
1: the other funny thing is don't talk too, too much in public about the legal side. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it's the other, the other mm-hmm. large rule. What, here's what I'll say about regulation, et cetera, and legal. So yes, we took great care with one of the top legal firms in the crypto space to you know, craft a terms of sale that made it clear that this is a collectible that people are purchasing, the NFT, that gives them power within the DAO. We did not spell out And we are still determining, and by the way, the group who bought the NFTs gets to determine governance is by the NFT today, one unit for our leisure members, four units of governance for our global members, and they get to vote. And we're determining exactly what that voting methodology and threshold and process is as we speak. But you basically have to be clear that you're not selling like a good or a service. Otherwise, it's an unregistered security sale. So, we have a great team that worked with us on a terms of sale that highlighted that. We got lots of questions, by the way, from reasonably skeptical and they're extremely valid questions from people saying, wait, wait, wait. If I read the fine legal print here, I'm actually buying into nothing. You haven't actually promised anything, right? So, in some respects, You could only theoretically do this if, I think if you have the reputation that me and some of the other folks have as, you know, we're doxxed, we're not going to like hit and run and rug pull folks. Like that's really, really critical. Um, By the way, I'd love it if the regulations, it'd be great if they were lighter or looser over time revolve such that maybe more teams could do this and you didn't have to rely on the regulation, I'm sorry, the reputation of a handful of folks to get started at least. So, so basically, we thought deeply about that, but the result of it meant that we couldn't make a lot of promises at the point of sale, and it made us such that we, you know, did the sale prior to delivery of a tremendous amount of things, so that we could credibly say, look, the community, and and we mean it, but that the community actually built it together, and be able to plausibly say that. And and frankly, that's what's happening, but you know, in reality, this couldn't happen without a. Centralized group of really dedicated contributors over 18 days because that type of stuff, it just doesn't come out of nowhere. So, you know, we've been lucky to have those folks, you know, a lot of folks involved.
0: Even working with the legal team, one of the top legal firms, are they kind of accepting payment after the sale or how does that kind of relationship yeah. work?
1: Yep. So, we haven't paid anybody to date other than. I mean I guess we've have a few bills of like tools we've bought like discord bot fighting and things like that but in terms of the treasury that we've raised the only folks who have been paid to date are the people who put together the actual nft mint you know checked all the contracts the front end and then this week we're going to disperse funds to you know a handful of the key contributors the person who designed you know the website designed the brand The person who volunteered, by the way, after I had announced this publicly and set up the Discord, and it was chaotic for the first five, six hours, this amazing guy named Cooper who came in and just created order, you know, basically overnight. I went to sleep and the next morning I was like, wow, like you saved us. And then there's an engineer who has basically put together, you know, our Gnosis safe. So we're managing our treasury via a multi-sig initially, such that it's, you know, I can't go willy-nilly spending the money, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a group of folks who all have to sign transactions. You know, that group of eight folks was basically agreed upon, again, in an in a initially relatively centralized manner by a group of, you know, called the founding members who were contributing from day one.
0: So the multi-sig has 20 people So it has on... eight.
1: It's a five eight of eight people. multi-sig. Yep. Got yep. it. The challenge is you can't really put the multi sig and the management of the treasury out to the DAO. We've actually talked with lawyers about it. Specific financial management—if you put it into the hands of folks who sort of purchased in via the DAO—you could actually run into some legal issues. So, you know, we have to actually communicate all this to the community. Hey, this podcast helps, um, and then like work through—you know—what does that actually mean? So, you know, I, I hope what's coming through in this conversation is, you know, I'm somebody who, you know, created businesses like you, like you two have, I kind of know how to do that. And in, in this endeavor, there's so much uncertainty about, you know, there's no, there's not really a playbook. I, I love it, but it creates a level of discomfort that I love, which is just like, ah, like, you know, you can't, you're I mean, I can sleep, but I like, I'm always a little bit like at unease and trying to like fix this problem or that and make sure that, you know, we can meet the needs and, um expectations, frankly, of the community.
0: As you think about the links so there's the links token that's coming soon. There's yeah, the, the links exactly. Yep. There's the Lynx NFTs. And then there's kind of the Lynx DAO Inc. Are those kind of the three different pieces of the equation and how are they linked? Um, how do they sync up across the board?
1: So today governance occurs through through the membership NFTs. The goal would be to have a Lynx token that the governance happens through. And we you know, basically said that we will distribute that in 2022 as early as possible, such that governance can happen through these tokens, cryptocurrency tokens. The challenge there is just getting that right because once you distribute a token, it does have a lot of flexibility. It has fungibility, unlike the NF, you know, the NF- these NFTs actually are somewhat fungible. Like you can exchange a leisure for another leisure and they're the same. But you know, once you have a token, people can buy it on the open market, theoretically accrue a disproportionate amount of it. And, you know, the goal here is to have distributed governance. So we just have to figure out uh, the right model for, you know, how do you govern with tokens In a way that somebody can't, you know, in the open market, let's say, acquire so much that they become like a disproportionate amount of the vote. By the way, this is something you see and you hear criticism of with some of the largest DAOs that are out there today, you know, who have maybe sold X percent of their DAO treasury, you know, 10% or more to VCs, even great VCs who, you know, I have huge respect for, but there's just a question of, you know, is that in the spirit of how these DAOs and communities, like it's an increasingly common thing to sell DAO tokens to venture capitalists. And I'm one of, I'm a, I'm a VC, like I participate in some DAOs and we have actually as a fund, the. I, I think that's probably not something we want to do with the DAO. So then the question is, so the corporation itself, what we would love to do, and it hasn't been done yet, so this is a novel structure, is can we create a symbiotic relationship between a corporation and a DAO? where, you know, the, again, the DAO sort of governs many of the activities of the corporation. It represents the interests of the members, right, who, you know, are patrons of the services that the corporation provides. Again, my, my aim and goal is that in a legally you know, compliant way, we can give those folks who are the members, who are the DAO participants, the ability to own a portion of the corporation that connection to ensure that they pull together and that it doesn't become this contentious thing like, oh, there's this corporation that owns this asset. And by the way, we're the DAO and we're supposed to determine the club rules, but we're not credibly doing that or we don't like you know, the way they're operating this. Like that then becomes really difficult. So we have to make sure. Then you might as well just have a DAO that goes out and just, you know, negotiates with existing clubs and, you know, get you know what I mean? And it just becomes this online entity But I aspire to do something bigger than that. And I know people here do, where you have like the, you know, called the apple of real life experiences, where it's like online, it's physical, and it's all tied together in a really nice, tight package where they're symbiotic and work together. There are other organizations, though, that I've seen that are purely online communities that, you know, are going out and then negotiating real world experiences and benefits. Board API Club would candidly be an example of that, you know, you're part of this community over time, they've kind of committed to a roadmap that will deliver to you in addition to your, you know, ape pick, you know, some membership of like a club and discounts and affiliations and airdrops from Adidas and other things like that. We want to go a step beyond that, but it's tricky. I,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how the next, especially the next few months are going to play out for you guys.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of work
0: ahead of you guys.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is the the most challenging moment. It's when you transition from the utopian ideal of, you know, we're going to buy one of the world's greatest golf courses and create a really inclusive, exciting community to, okay, now we have to get to the brass tacks of what decisions the community actually makes versus what the operating entity delivers and then how the interplay between those two happens. So hopefully I can come back in 12 months and we've got a wonderful club in the real world, it's our first one. You know, people are really excited. The membership tiers are accessible to everybody who wants to access them. The club rules are inclusive, that if there's gripes, you know, we're really rapidly addressing them and you know, people feel like they're able, again, to participate and have a voice. And already to date, the most optimistic thing I've seen is we have more people who have said, this is the first time I ever purchased an NFT. This is the first time I heard about a DAO. That's dope. I learned about that because like my brother's into crypto or my sister is, and they told me about this. Like I got my dad to buy an NFT. We've heard that numerous, dozens of times. It's like exciting. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's the mission as well. is just getting people involved in holding crypto self-custody. The point is we love that these accessible experiences that are new to provokes and like they actually have to use the crypto. Yeah. That's, that's another part of what we're liking, Yeah, you know, that's sort of part of the dream. So we're, we're thrilled about that too.
0: Need links down on islands when? <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: yeah that's a great question. Soon. Definitely a collab. You know, we'll set up that conversation for, you know, what do you think, next week?
0: I'm down. Yes. I nah. love it. You guys need some uh, good old token-gated threads and in, in community.
1: Exactly. So right now, it's really interesting because we do have... So we have a great moderator. It's pretty well organized. The conversations are good. But as we start voting on things and as we start doing really important things it becomes really unwieldy. So we've got to move out of that. And so, you know, I think we're going to also start to see people who will be dissatisfied with the experience as well. And we'll start sort of like little splinter communities and things like that. And I'm actually excited to see how this evolves.
0: So, okay. Last question. If you're stranded on an Island and you could only bring one NFT, which NFT would you bring? It can be any NFT in the world.
1: Wow. Uh, So I I would say, I mean, it'd have to be my CryptoPunk. You know, mainly it's the profile picture. It's, you know, how I identify online. It's, again, the alter ego of me. I'm not that cool. And so, you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, really cool shades, a do-rag. And let's be honest, you know, I've got my JPEG Morgan hat trying to be cool here. (laughs) Yeah, it makes me feel happy. Uh, Yeah, my online persona.
0: It's a pretty good one. (laughs)
1: Pretty
0: good one. Well, thank you so much for the time today and explaining all of the intricacies as you build out this really exciting DAO. I like how thoughtful you guys are about it from, from day one. And so really excited to see where it goes from here.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate the thoughtful questions and, and the optimistic questioning. I know it's you know, there's a lot to doubt, but you know, we're we're really excited to try to uh, to deliver. So thank you for the time.